0: Um, if you would like to visit with David, Don immediately following the service, he'll be out in the foyer. You can uh, hear about, again, a little more of what they're doing. And sometimes, if you'd like to partner with them, um, um, they would love to talk to you. The just said, did somebody ask about what protected the church? And, and we can only assume that it it's maybe God's fire over that fire that protected them. Anyway, it was a supernatural protection. I love it when God shows up. Let's jump into the Word of God, amen? Lord, we love you, we praise you, thank you again for being with us today. I mean, you've already spoken to us, Lord, through worship and the words that were given and to David and Donna. And Lord, as we unpack the Word of God, we pray again that your Holy Spirit would make it more alive to us, so that we would become again more and more like Jesus, that you would conform us to the image of Christ, Lord, that you would change our hearts, and speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you are joining us today, for the first time, we've uh, started a sermon series called The Last Sermon. It's not one sermon. No problem. Um It is actually, we're looking at John 13 through 17, and we uh, the time where Jesus spent with his disciples before his arrest and crucifixion the other gospels touched in on what happened. Uh, they talk about the Passover, um, Jesus breaking bread with his disciples, but, uh, but John's gospel gives us a, a more detailed account of what happens and he started out by uh, when they came into this this room that Jesus begins to wash their feet and he shows them what the Bible tells us the full extent of his love and he pours out a, a kind of an extreme thing of serving and calling us to serve and so we're looking at John 13-17 Calling it the last sermon would be the last and The things that Jesus said, the things that He did, what it speaks to us as a followers, what He was saying to those guys that He was with, and ultimately to us. The important things that He was um, emphasizing before He would be arrested and crucified, knowing, and it says, knowing that His hour was coming. That he met with them, that he talked to them. Ultimately, you know, the, the good news that he rose from the dead. But these are those last moments, some of that last 24 hours with his disciples, John 13 through 17. So we've been taking a look, unpacking what has been happening before he dies. Um, this week I'm going to pick up actually where I left off last week, and this is the moment in John 13 so he's washed her teeth. Um, This is towards the end of John 13 where he begins to say that that, uh, somebody is going to betray him. He's talking about Judas and, you know, the disciples are going around and who is he talking about? What is he talking about? And he said, one of you will betray me. Of course, we have been the exchange with Peter and Peter says, not me, right? Not me. They might, they might turn on you. And he said, you guys, well, you, will, you will deny me, not me. Though they might turn on you. They might deny you, not me. I will die for you. Right? I will, I will die for you. I would never deny you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, before the rooster crows, after the middle of the night, early in the morning, you will have denied that you know me three times. And again, he reiterates, I would not die for you. I, I would not deny you. I would die for you. And so here, that's the setup. Last week, what we talked about was how we deny Jesus, ways that we deny Jesus, because we like Peter. And here's Peter, who followed Christ for three years, and Judas, who followed Christ for three years. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him, and they are with him. And. Don't be mistaken, folks. We can be a little bit like Peter said. We've never denied, but there are ways in which we deny Jesus. There are ways in which I've denied Him. Last week we looked at the first three ways, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But number one is we can deny Him by rejecting His love, sacrificing, gift of eternal life, and choosing sin. That can be unbelievers. That can also be believers where we we choose sin instead of Him. We slide back into sinful ways and old habits instead of receiving His love every day. That's why Jesus says, It's going to be my holiday. You take up your cross every day. Follow me. We also deny Him. Uh, We deny Jesus is who He said He is, that He is the standard of truth. His word is the standard of truth. And in our culture, we have a lot of talk about trying to almost redefine Christian or redefine who Christ is. He says who He is. He's the only way to, to heaven. We're going to get into that next week. But sometimes we can deny Him by... Uh, denying Jesus who he said he is. And then thirdly, you can deny him by being ashamed of him. He says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my father. he you reject me, I will reject you before my father. It's a weighty, weighty thing. And again, this is not this list. I'm going to look at the last two today. Being cursed, this list is not to bring an and condemnation, but it's meant to make us take an honest look at our hearts before the Lord and say, Jesus, how have I denied you? and I want to be in right relationship with you because ultimately we want to finish the race well with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And so it's allowing the Lord to open our hearts. Like David said, David said, search me, right? Search me about to See if there'll be any offensive way in me. And David wasn't saying, because I, I like feeling guilty. He was saying, more than anything, I want to be in right relationship with God more than anything my relationship with you. That's why he said I would, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. Here's the king. He said, I understand who the real king is and I, my identity is not even being a king. Rather, uh, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be over here in the house of God than to dwell in the temple of wickedness because my relationship with you is the most important thing. And so that's why we look at our hearts. And so the last two, first of all, we can deny Him through unbelief, doubt, and lack of faith. Hebrews 11 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. It's impossible. Impossible to please God without faith. Now, what is faith? Faith. We're not talking about faith in faith. Right? We're talking about faith in Him. Faith in God. Faith in who He is. Jesus, You are who You say You are. This is complete trust. It's resting in His sovereignty over my life and my circumstances. When i in, when I belong to God and I'm in the palm of His hand, it's the greatest place to be. It may not be the safest place. People have said being in the palm of God's hand is the safest place. Probably not. It might be the most dangerous place to be. But it's the greatest place. But it's. Faith is my complete trust, my complete rest in who she is over my life and my circumstances. Faith isn't positive profession to turn my circumstances around. It's complete confidence that I'm a child of God and my identity is in Him, that I belong to Jesus. And so that I won't be dictated by my circumstances and God can be glorified even in the midst of my circumstances. That's faith. So God is the object of our faith, not faith. Faith isn't the object of our faith. And that's where, when people say, "Well, you know, that, that uh, you don't have enough faith, you lack faith," and, 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 and there are times when Jesus would see he was he was amazed at people's lack of faith, and that that does exist. But there's, there's a bad doctrine out there that that says, "Well, if your child about you love Jesus, and, and and maybe you're not getting what you think that you that you're, that you're praying for, some people can say, well, you lack faith.' I, just, I I have a hard time believing that if you are walking with Jesus." because Jesus even minimized it. He said, even if you have faith like a mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds. And so he's diminishing this idea. He said, great faith is that small." Because what, what, what great faith is, is I take that and I say, I believe who he is. I believe who he said he is. I believe I'm his child. That's mustard seed faith. There is a the lack of faith and unbelief. belief that is rooted in not believing that God is who He says He is. That's why Jesus, I think one of the greatest prayers of faith is how Jesus had had when He taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the greatest prayer of faith. That is the prayer of faith. Because He's saying, your kingdom come, God, I, I trust you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We can pray the will of God. We can ask for the will. That's the greatest prayer because what we're saying is I trust you completely. And I want what you're doing to be done here, in me, through me. And so Jesus said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's the prayer that he terrified that Jesus taught us. He exceptions to this prayer. So you can pray this prayer of faith and trust who God is. And I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right, Daniel chapter three. You know, Nebuchadnezzar sets such a huge statue of gold. Everyone will bow. You guys know the story. The three Hebrew children, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow. The king comes and says, "I'm going to give you another opportunity." And what do they say? The, they speak out faith. They didn't say, well, I proclaim that you're not going to do it. They didn't say that. They said, you know what, King? Our God is able to save us. We know He can. He is so powerful. We know that He can save us. And here's what they say. But even if He doesn't, does that sound like lack of faith? Some people wouldn't say that sounds like lack of faith. It isn't. They are saying we completely trust in the sovereignty of We're in the palm of His hand. We're not the palm of yours. You can't kill us unless God lets you. That's faith. And they said, "King, we we know our God's able to save us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to die. Isn't that great faith? That's awesome faith. It's to say we belong to God and His sovereignty, with the idea that they say we may not get saved, but either way, we win. Either He's going to show up and freak you out. What's happened? Or we're going to get incinerated and be with him. We win. Great faith. Either way, either, either scenario, they said we belong to God. I love the the story of um, David Wilkerson when back back many many years ago. Remember when God called him from Pennsylvania went to the streets of New York and ministered to gang members? If you've ever read the Cross in the Twitter a phenomenal testimony of how God called And Nikki Cruz, who was one of the head gang members. Um, just just at first did not like him. Nicky Cruz ended up getting his life across. I got to hear Nicky Cruz at the college that I went to And he cares about that experience, and he said, and this guy was a tough guy. I mean, this guy was tough as nails. I mean, this guy did not uh, play around. And he said one of the most frightening things that he had encountered with David Wilkerson, because one thing he grabbed the knife, and he told David Wilkerson to say, he said, I could bet you. I can take your life right now. And David Wilkerson just looked at him in faith and said, not unless God lets you. He said, God lets you and you kill me. That, that's fine, but, but here's the thing. If he doesn't let like you, you won't be able to. And he said he, just, he said, he tried to stay calm. He said, but inside the end, was scared to death. So he said, he's got so much confidence in God. Like, well, I wonder what would happen if I wouldn't well, get involved in. to kind of, thank you. Maybe, maybe an angel's going to not be out. This is faith. And again, there, there, there's this idea that sometimes we have faith and faith trying to muster up something. It is simple simply the conscience. knowing who I am, knowing who Christ is, knowing who I am, and saying, yeah, you know what? My son is just like Shadrach like and me in I know God is able. Even if he doesn't, I win either way because I'm a child of the king. Number five, we can deny Him by living in fear, worry, and anxiety. Anybody here to deal with that? I'm the only one. I'm standing alone. Yeah. This is something that we wrestle with all the time. There's plenty to be worried about if we allow ourselves to be worried about personal things that we're going through, family things. The world, the unrest that is around us, again, it can be bigger picture stuff. It can be um, small things, you know, um, that are in our world, in our life, in our family members, and there can be moments of fear or of anxiety. And I don't think that that's what we're talking about here. We all deal with moments. And that's where we have to go back and jump. God doesn't want us to be dictated by fear and anxiety, and the enemy would want us to. to even just deny who we are in Christ and, and somewhat live in our fear and our worry and anxiety. And this is tied with the last one, that he's bigger than my circumstances, my current situation, that he is aware and against even when we maybe can't see what He's doing, even in the silence of our own heart, even when it feels all alone and we feel like that our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, coming back to us, He is there. Look at what Jesus says. He says, why worry about your clothing? And why would He say that? Maybe some people that's a fear, worry, or anxiety, but He's, he's even taking a trivial thing here. Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow and these fields just turning on the mountain. He's probably got some right there and so look at this. They don't work or make their clothing as Solomon. All of glory wasn't just as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and grown in the flowers, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Again, He's dealing with the faith issue. Saying, "Don't worry. Don't let fear." So, don't worry about these things. Saying, "What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear?" Again, these are trivial matters. But God even cares about those, even those small things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Isn't that great? That goes back to, "I know who I am." He already is aware of my needs. Sometimes we pray like God doesn't know. We do information prayers, just in case you were wondering, because I think that you've turned your back on me, and I'm not. And David had those kind of prayers where he felt like God maybe turned his back on. But sometimes we we try to inform God, right? And that's not a prayer of faith at all. That's like saying, you know, just in case you were wondering. And he's like, I got it. I was all over this one, the foundation of the world. He already knows what we need. And then the great is seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek Him, seek His righteousness, and He will give you everything you need. In other words, seek Him first. That Jesus, I put my heart, my life into His hands. You know what I mean. And Jesus, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles enough for today. Don't worry about this. And so worry and anxiety and us living in it. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about moments. I'm talking about when we allow ourselves to get almost where we're living a lifestyle of anxiety. It's tied with not seeking God's kingdom first. It's divine priorities so that He cares about what we need. Paul writes and tells us, don't worry about anything. Anybody deal Anybody successful with that one? I love that passage, but like, are you kidding me? Don't worry about anything. Oh, great! Paul would always write. You've heard me say this over and over. Paul would always write from a perspective of almost overwhelming us. Of of, you know, just kind of saying where you take what he says and you say, "This is impossible. This is impossible. I can't do this." You're right. Now we're getting somewhere. Now I'll fix your eyes on Jesus, because he's the one that's going to walk if you through this. You're going to need Jesus to pull this off. To be not worried about anything, you're going to need Jesus. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. This is just as prayers of faith. God, I, I know who you are. I'm asking. We can ask and seek, and we can knock, and we can, but we can ask in a place of rest, right? Sometimes we take even the ask, seek, and knock, and we turn it into stressful anxiety prayer. Jesus, ask, seek, and knock, ask, seek, and knock, and we catch ourselves here, how many times can we bow? We, oh, there's other religions that are trying to appease their God, and we can ask, seek, and knock. And do, 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 do we ask a hundred times, a thousand, times? what's the magic number, and God's up there, man, you made it to 999, if you would have made it to 1,000, you got have prayer answered. Man, that we would so yes. We can ask, we can seek, and we're not, because He's sovereign, and we don't understand His ways we do it in the place of rest, of knowing who He is and like who I am in Him. Because this is what, we'll look at what Paul says. At the, at, Talk to God, tell Him what you need, thank Him for what He's done, then you'll experience peace. Isn't God's peace wonderful? It's the peace which exceeds anything we can understand, and I love that. It surpasses understanding. In other words, you could be depressed. You should be anxious, and people look at a situation you're in, and you go, "Why aren't you anxious?" And you go, "I have no idea." It's a passive understanding. So I know that He has given me His peace, and I'm walking through maybe hard circumstances, or notice that God didn't rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and go. He didn't. Or, uh, he didn't rescue them from the fire. They were in the fire. They had to be in the fire, and He showed up. I'm going to tell you right now, those boys have faith. are a little nerve-wracking walking towards that door. Okay, here we go, boys. Either God's going to show up or we're toast. Either way, we win. Let's go. It's a little scary. You go first. God's peace. that surpasses. I love God's peace. I admit, I don't walk in it time. I have those stressful anxiety moments where God has to say, hey, remember me? I'm still here. i got to remind myself. i got to sometimes like David. I've got to preach to myself. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, right? David's preaching to himself. Sometimes you got to stand in the mirror and say, put your hope in God. Walking through God is in his peace because he's with you. Now, love us. This peaceful. Guard your heart, your mind, as you live in Christ. Jesus, that this will lead you. I'm walking with Him, that He's there. Peter tells us, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. There's, there's a condition, promise, right? Like, humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and that the right hand evil lift you up. And honor you give all your worries and your cares you to God for what? Why? He cares about you. you did you notice the condition? We gotta humble ourselves, and that's a part of the sovereignty of God, saying, "I don't always get it. Your ways are higher than my ways. I, I don't, I don't see the full picture. I only see a part, but I know You're in control." And I humble myself daily. I humble myself, and tomorrow I tomorrow, I humble myself again, 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 and we experience this care So, as the story goes, we know, and, and, and that's the last one: the ways that we deny. Christ, and we all know the story. What happens? And I'm going to fast forward a little bit and talk a little bit about Peter's denial, but not just Peter's denial, his repentance and the heart of Jesus to Because, and you guys know the story. You read the story. This is painful to read, right? Peter has made the proclamation to Jesus. He, he has said, I will not deny you no matter what. I will die because you. I'll lay down my life. And if it comes to that, I won't deny you. These guys might. I mean, he's even prepare himself to the other guys. You know those guys like him a lot, right? They might, but not me. And so Jesus says before that rooster crows early in the morning, you will deny that you know me. And then we have the story. So the girl walks up and she's warming his hands because he's followed along. He's trying to see what's happening. Jesus, they a rest with him and he's kind of at a distance. And this girl comes up and says, Weren't you with him? I think we saw you and he said, Immediately, Who? Me? Don't know the guy. A little while later somebody else comes and he gets a little more emphatic. We find out in Scripture that he is. a absolutely no, I do not know him. I don't know what you're talking. The third time we have in one of the Gospels is he's calling down curses. I do not know him. I don't know who you're talking. I was not with him. One of the Gospels, this is, I think it was Mark, it says that his eyes and Jesus, his eyes Jesus at that moment. Betrayal is a, 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 just a heartbreak If you've ever gone through it. Or somebody broke a promise. And the eye, eyes of Jesus leave them and you, and you you know that feeling where, or if you've if you been guilty of you it, in that in your heart since you. It's, it's such a devastating punch you got, right? Rooster crows. So and we know here's what Peter says that Peter did. He went away and he wept bitterly. Bitter, bitter, weeping. This is a heart of repentance. And he immediately feels it. A genuine heart of confession he, is He knew that he had grieved the of Jesus. He knew immediately. I lied. I said I would die for Him. And and, and He is exposed and there is no hiding at all. And I love that it says that He wept bitterly. Some of us need to weep bitterly over our sin. This is true repentance. It's, It's... Repentance is a it's a painful, real, glorious experience. It's a painful, real, yet glorious experience. And Peter could have gone away, maybe justified, maybe maybe made excuses, but he didn't. The true heart of repentance is I'm not going to make excuses, I'm going to grieve over my sin. I'm not going to justify it. He's right. I am wrong. I'm the one that has drifted. and chosen my way. I've become my own God. I've doubted Him. I've been ashamed of Him. Maybe I've rejected His love and His sacrifice. And maybe I've lived in doubt and unbelief. It's on me. It's not on Him. Some of us need to have that consistent before the Lord. Because it's painful and it's real, but it's beautiful. It's coming clean. there's nothing like cleansing of my soul when I can clean with Jesus. And then fast forward, we know um, Jesus is or, you know, he, he, he's scourged, he's crucified, he rises from the dead, and we're going to jump to John 21, we're going to see Jesus response in his invitation to rest his himself. Jesus wants reconciliation his he, he wants to restore it he desires that. And so look at his encounter with Peter. So remember, he's walking on the beach just to set it up. He's listening to the dead. He comes up They're out fishing again. And he says, hey, hey, fellows, have you, have you caught any fish? And he kind of recreates the moment. Remember, we called them in the early part of the Gospels. And, and they notice who he was. And oh, what does Peter do? Peter jumps in the water, starts so swimming I him. I imagine that he's maybe... Breathing over what has happened, and maybe sharing, shedding some tears, as he goes up, and so they have breakfast, and Jesus uh, makes a meal for them. And so we pick it up in verse fifteen. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, and this is the could exchange. Peter denied him three times, and listen to this: um, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, "Simon, said, do you love me more than these?" "Yes, Lord," Peter replied. "You know I love you." Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Because my life, Jesus told him, Jesus, your the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, sir, Peter said, you know I love you. Take care of my feet. Jesus said a third time, for so the next and a third time, he asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then see my sheep." Now, it's interesting, okay? We can, we can look at this passage and maybe miss what is being said here? In you know, our English language, we can use love, the word "love" for lots of I, I said this before. I love my wife, and I love pizza. But if you're thinking that I love pizza like my wife, you're crazy. We all get that. The writing here, there, there's different words for the, or, that word "love." So it's an interesting interaction. There was a purpose by what Jesus was doing and saying Peter had denied him, what, three times? After swearing that he would not, that he was ready to die for him if necessary, right? I will not die, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, he'll deny three times. Jesus says this, when you ask him the first time, he, what he's saying is, Peter, do you agape love me? Do you love me enough to lay down your life for me? That's the first question he asks him. Because this is what you claimed you would do. Right? Did you, do you, Agape, do you lay, do you love me enough to lay down your life for me? That's what he asked in the first time. Because what you said, Peter, is they my guy won't. Do you love me more than these other guys, more than these you? If you compared yourself to them first, remember, maybe they will, but I won't. Do you, you love me more than these? Enough to lay down your life? And then Peter responds, I said, giving a different word for life. He said, I do love, I do phileo love you, Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm caught red-handed. I have a fond affection of you. In other words, no, you asking me, do I love you enough to lay down my life for you? And what I'm saying is, I'm busted. I've only had a fond affection of you. I've been a fan, but I've not been a follower. I got to Jesus, but I'm not worshiping him. I have a little Jesus on the side, of my life doesn't belong to you. And Jesus is unpacking his heart. I didn't lay on my life for you. I, when I was put to the test, I found affection with you and I denied you. But what did Jesus say? Be my You're still called. Isn't that beautiful? Your denial didn't you. Your repentance and your honesty is the key to restoration, healing and freedom and ministry. Because Jesus knew that he went over Jesus knew that he came clean. He saw his honesty and he validated his call to ministry. What were they doing? They went back to fishing. Because he's thinking, hey, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm done with ministry. Maybe I'm just a of Jesus said, guess what? You are not. You see my hands." Then Jesus, same question. Do you self-sacrifice to love me? The second time. Peter, same answer. Right? You know that I only have a fond for you, Jesus. I, my hand is in the cookie jar and you're watching. I've been caught. i failed. But then Jesus took care of my feet Once again... Blessing Peter's honesty, blessing the repentance, blessing his coming clean, and reiterating this calling. The third exchange is a little bit different. Jesus says, "Jesus turns the tables and says, instead of saying, Peter do you love me?' Do you, have a, do you, you agape? Do you love me enough to lay down your life?' He said, do you have a fond affection for me?'" Peter, were you just a fan? And that's where it says he was was hurt. The pain, sin. Lord, you know everything. You know exactly that's how I love you. I can't hide from you. You know exactly what that was. I stuck my foot in my mouth. I left you at your most vulnerable moment. I didn't love you like I claimed. I didn't love you like I promised. You know everything. Nothing gets by you. You know my heart, my intentions, and my feelings. What does Jesus say? I think with probably a hand on his back and saying, "Peter, Peter, again, you are qualified because you're coming to me. You. You're you're, qual- I mean, you're qualified because you are truly repentant. True repentance. It's interesting that Peter would preach at Pentecost and ask you, 'What, what, what?' what is one of the words he said, three? Nineteen. He yells to the crowd, Repent, therefore, The times of refreshing that come from the presence before. is a God he had just experienced it. He had experienced the refreshing presence from Jesus, saying, I came for Now I'm still qualified. Isn't that beautiful? I came clean and Jesus has reinstituted the call of my life. Now, if he would have justified and he would have made excuses for it, that would have probably been a disqualifying part of the peace. and I came clean. Feed my sheep. He has felt Jesus' refreshments against when he truly repented. Folks, I'm here to tell you today, maybe you've denied it. Maybe you have had doubt and unbelief. Maybe there are areas in your life that you can look maybe I am, and go, Yeah, yeah, I have denied Him. I've denied Him in my walk. I've denied Him in trusting Him. Maybe I've lived in fear and anxiety. And today, the Lord wants to, be, uh, be able to look into you apart and say, Come through. let my go over your soul and understand that your denial doesn't a you anymore calls us in the restoration, this is the heart of Jesus, he calls us in the restoration of reconciliation, he wants right relationship with us, and he calls us to that place I love Jesus so much I thank God, that my denial doesn't disqualify when I repent and you Jesus, we love you so much Lord, over and over and over again, as we study your word, we see your heart, Lord, that you so long for relationship with us, you long to bring us into the place of the right relationship with. Thank you, Lord, that although we have denied you, when we come clean down and we don't make excuses and we don't justify, and we, Lord, so we bitterly, and we take ownership and we... Grieve our sin, God, that that touches your heart, and we truly experience the times of your love, Lord. I pray, God, that as we do that event, and wherever, whatever, whatever area right now the Lord is speaking to these, put His hand on something that that there would be no justification. You just begin right now, just saying, "Lord, forgive me." Forgive me for that. God, forgive me that I've been ashamed of you. Forgive me that maybe I live my own way. Forgive me that I've become God in a certain area. Forgive me that I have maybe forsaken you. That I've walked away from you. Forgive me for my doubt and my unbelief. Forgive me when I have just lived in anxiety and fear and worry instead of casting my cares on you. Lord, I take ownership of that, and then hear the words of Jesus: "Be my lamb, be my sheep." still called, you're still qualified, go out there and be on mission with me to proclaim the goodness of Jesus, that he is a God who forgives, is a God who sets us free. Lord, we love you, Lord, we pray, God, pray, and we praise you, that I pray you would speak to our hearts today this week, as we walk with you, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen.